This is Getting Lit with Linda Mora, the podcast where you can come and get lit, Canadian lit, that is. Join Linda as she talks about authors in Canada and sometimes with them, using her expertise to shed light on recent and not-so-recent writers. And now, get set for Getting Lit with Linda. Hi, this is Linda Mora, and welcome to Getting Lit with Linda. The first thing I should say, getting out of the gate, is that this podcast is actually about literature in Canada, about getting literature, understanding it, loving it in all its various forms, wrapping yourself up in its metaphorical pages. It's especially about all things literary in Canada, and not just what's literary in the present moment, but what was literary way back in time really isn't about, well, (laughs) getting lit in a completely different sense. For some of you, getting lit might be about imbibing, sucking back some serious quantities of alcohol. If that's what you do while you listen to this podcast, more power to you. Follow your bliss and all that. My bliss is often about reading, talking about and following literature and sometimes, perhaps, in a zanier moment, following the authors around themselves. Okay, not literally. I don't literally follow them around. I follow them on Twitter or Facebook. And I read their work, and I've been known to teach them from time to time to my undergraduate students, who apparently often pay for my classes and don't always listen or bother coming to my lectures. Yes, I teach university-level classes in literature. I'm a cisgender woman, a feminist, a settler scholar, and the daughter of Italian-Canadian immigrants. It's why I'm going to say that most of the recordings for this podcast will be taking place in Montreal on the unceded Indigenous lands of the traditional territory of the Kanyakaga, but also a diplomatic meeting place with other Iroquois and Algonquins, including the Algonquin Anishinaabe and the Huron-Wendat. So, my background will probably have an impact on what I discuss and how I discuss it. It explains why I'll probably be sipping espresso, not alcohol while I chat about literature. So yes, getting back to getting lit. This is not to say that I've never raised a glass of wine. In fact, I've been known to do both. But while I really don't know a lot about alcohol, I'll do almost anything for the sake of lit. And the following story about one of my literary adventures is the proof. Several years ago now, I contacted the executor of the estate of an author in Canada whose papers I found in an archive. I wanted to publish them because, well, I thought the general public would want to read them. Those of you out there who wonder how this is done or even why it's done, you can't simply walk into an archive and publish whatever you want. You actually do need permission from the executor of the estate. And then one would want to publish them when there is some significant cultural contribution in terms of publishing the said papers. So, for example, if I go into an archive and I see something that I think would have greater impact or um, have greater interest for the public as a whole, I try to find a way to see 
to the publication of the said documents. In this instance, I contacted the executor of the estate of this particular author, let's say author X, and the executor agreed to meet with me. He suggested that we discuss it together, viva voce, and added that he would pick me up at a bus station on a Saturday morning in a white van. That's right, a white van. My first thought was, am I going to be okay? My second thought informed the decision to slide a pocket knife alongside my laptop into my carrying case. So there he was on a Saturday morning at the agreed-upon subway stop. I got into his white van, and he whisked us away to a local drinking hole. Now, I'll add again that I don't drink at the best of times. So a Saturday morning was even more of a challenge, but I'm not one to walk away from a challenge at the best of times. And let's face it, I had the permissions at stake to publish these authors' papers. I wanted to publish them. Well, he ordered a beer. I know a little something about wine, but absolutely nothing about beer. I'm completely ignorant on the subject, so don't bother regaling me about your impressive knowledge of lagers or craft beer because my eyes will glaze over, and they won't glaze over because I've had too much to drink. That probably accounts for what happened next. I looked at the menu, and while my host ordered a Labatt's Blue at 10 a.m., I ordered a Guinness. Yes, I ordered a Guinness. It's at this point that all my beer-drinking friends habitually collapse into wild laughter. Fair enough. At least I had the good sense to order the biggest omelet I could find in the menu to go alongside my beer. I was about a third of the way through the Guinness when I found the courage. Very likely liquid courage, but who's to say whether or not that's true now. I found the courage to ask him for permission to publish the papers. I thought he might have been suitably impressed by my drinking stamina. Because he actually agreed on the spot. And then I meekly asked him if he wanted to finish the rest of my beer. And he obliged. But this podcast is not about that kind of getting lit. Well, it is about finding papers in archives. But it is also about reading and understanding literature. Since I teach literature, I'm usually asked by people in this country some variation of, what are your top 10 books? Or what book should I read for my next book club? or the most recent one, and this is a shout-out to Suzanne Nickel and her book club for asking me this question, what are some of the most interesting authors coming out of Quebec? Since I teach literature, I'm often asked something similar by non-Canadians. This is especially true in the pre-COVID era when I was able to travel outside Canada when traveling was permissible. When I would say I primarily teach literatures in Canada, I would usually get something along the lines of, Canadian literature? I love Atwood. Or even more often, you have literature in Canada? Yes, yes we do. We have those strange beasts so rare and mysterious as the unicorn. Many of them are pretty fine specimens too. And occasionally we see them roaming in their natural habitat here. <laughs> this podcast is for 
every person who loves authors in Canada, as much as for those who have said to me over the years, we have those here, as if they were a unicorn. This podcast will occasionally even feature conversations with authors in Canada, if I can catch one of those elusive unicorns. So yes, they are here, and they count as more than just Atwood. They even count as more than the illustrious first writer to have won the Nobel Prize, Alice Munro, more than Margaret Lawrence or Mordecai Richler and Michael Andachi. And if you just said who to the last three writers, this podcast is definitely for you. I'll look at a range of writers from the young to the not-so-young to the well-established in our midst, and who knows, maybe even at some point, Margaret Atwood herself. So this podcast is devoted primarily, but not exclusively, to literature in Canada and more broadly about literary forms and authors. I will eventually look back to the literature in earlier centuries because literature isn't only about the present moment. It isn't all about Atwood. It goes back, as I say, centuries. But to begin, I'm going to offer a selection of some of my favorite writers from Quebec. I'll explain what I love about them, what I think makes them so good, and why I think you might want to bring them to your next book club or just curl up with them. I should add right about now that I know that there isn't the Canadian literature. It's not a singular or monolithic entity. I know it's an evolving corpus with shifting goalposts in terms of who we deem relevant or not, or worth reading or studying or not. I know there's a difference between literatures in Canada and Canadian literature. Indigenous literatures are not the same at all, although I will give considerable space to these writers because they offer an incredible and burgeoning talent. I promise, however, not to confuse the two. I know that Canlit wasn't even recognized as Canadian literature until around the 1960s, when it was formally included as an area of study at the university level. It seems that some universities still even have a little trouble with seeing it that way, that is, as a formal area of study. Or they have trouble understanding that it's far more than a collection of the greatest hits of the Book of the Month Club. It's not often understood that literature in Canada is a body of work that extends back several centuries, that it is a vibrant, robust, complex body of literature. Doesn't that sound like I'm describing it as wine? Anyway, you get the idea. Here's what else I know. I also know how much I love the work of writers I teach and study and read in this troubled and sometimes troubling country, Canada. I know there isn't the Canadian literature, but literatures, a wonderful plurality of voices and genres and authors. I know I can't leave the politics out of my discussions. They play a real and important part. But what I'd like to do is talk about the books I love and frame them, sometimes in terms of their historical reception, oftentimes in terms of their craft, and at other times in terms of some, but obviously not all, the political questions they engage. And I want to share that love with others. I want to talk about writers like Dorothy Livesay or... Dion Brand, or Madeline Tian, Eden Robinson, David Cheriandi, Alice Monroe, M. Norbeze Philip, Nino Ricci, Neil Smith, um, Trish Salah, Joshua Whitehead, Jana Patriarca, Smokey Sumac, Casey Platt, Gwendolyn McEwen, Georgina Syme, and more. 
I'll talk about writers who have been canonized, writers who were once canonized, writers who really should have been canonized, and writers who are at long last being canonized. Writers I love, writers I love to hate, writers I probably shouldn't love, but shamefully do. And writers I'm hopeful that at some point anyway, everyone will love. And if you don't share what I love, that's okay. And if you don't agree, that's okay too. I'll interview writers, as I say, from time to time and talk to relevant people in the field of literature. And I'll just see where it takes us. I'll start, though, with English-language authors residing in or from Quebec since, well, I live here. While French is, in fact, the dominant language in this province, there is an incredible body of English-writing authors, and these include the likes of Anne Carson and Rawi Hodge and Madeleine Tian and Lorena Gale, Heather O'Neill, Kai Kello, Neil Smith, Shawn Michaels, and, as I say, many more. I'll begin the next episode, though, with Rawi Hodge's De Niro's Game. This is one of my personal favorites, even though he has been seen by some to depict women in ways that are, well, problematic. I wouldn't disagree, although I think all of his characters suffer. But for good measure, I'll counterbalance that episode with a segment on Megan Gale Coles' first novel. And then I'll follow it up with the next episode that focuses on Madeleine Tian's extraordinary novel, Do Not Say We Have Nothing. And thereafter, Lorena Gale's delightful and vastly underappreciated play, Je Me Souviens. So join me on the next episode of Getting Lit with Linda. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. That was Getting Lit with Linda, hosted by Linda Mora. If you have a topic you would like to see covered, write to us at gettinglitwithlinda at gmail.com. Until next time, we hope you continue to get lit.